0: This is the MetaMineCast. So, with Cain essentially being thrown out, banished, sent into the land of Nod, taken away from his agricultural lifestyle that he had grown up accustomed to, we have the split with Abel being pastoral and Cain being agricultural. First, we moved from the hunter-gatherer to the agricultural society. And now we can see that the pastoral or the raising of grazing animals, such as sheep and cow and goats, has come into the picture. And after moving, from that culture in the Bible, we have what is the first murder on this physical plane. Adam and Eve with their children, Cain and Abel, and then we have, I believe it was Seth that produced the, ni- the line of Noah. But as far as Cain and Abel, what happened was in Genesis four, one through 18. and. This is a translation by Robert Alter. It says, And it happened in the course of time that Cain brought from the fruit of the soil an offering to the Lord. And Abel too had brought forth the firstlings of his flock. And the Lord regarded Abel and his offerings, but did not regard Cain and his offerings And Cain was very incensed, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you incensed, and why is your face fallen? For whether you offer well or whether you not, at the tent flap sin crouches. Now is this a reference to the serpent line being inserted into this line of of, uh, the Adamic couple? and for you is its longing, but you will rule over it. And then Cain said to Abel, Let us go out in the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose against his brother and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, Cain, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the soil. And so cursed you shall be by the soil that gaped with its mouth to take your brother's blood from your hand. If you till the soil, it will no longer give you strength. A restless wanderer, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Now that you have driven me this day from the soil, I must hide from your presence. I shall be a restless wanderer on the earth and he who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain shall suffer sevenfold vengeance. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, so that whoever found him would not slay him. And Cain went out from the Lord's presence and dwelled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch their son. Now this is a different Enoch than from the line of Seth there are actually two Enoch's here. And some people postulate that this is actually a confusion of the matter and that these possibly could be the same bloodlines that were just split to confuse the story because many of the the names that are in the line of Seth and the line of Cain are very similar. And uh, it's interesting to um, analyze this little piece of text in regard to the idea of the vegetarian against the carnivore as Cain was growing in the field and Abel was living the pastoral life and brought the firstlings of his flock. So we have to look at this idea of blood magic in regard to the blood being spilled, and and you know its gaping mouth being drunk up, and it's interesting that the Lord in the Bible, you know, is incensed about this idea that this blood, this blood cries out to me from the soil. It's interesting that he is, uh, you know, almost like he's longing for. This blood of which he wishes he could have had because when when Abel brings the firstlings of course these are indeed blood sacrifices now there's many ways to look at this Cain and Abel story um, some people as far as the Luciferians the theosophists believe Cain to hold some sort of intrinsic power, and he is looked at, you know, in a positive light by these theosophists such as Madame Blavatsky and mainly P. Hall. I would even say probably Albert Pike, based upon some of his writings. And if you if you really want a different type of story, there's the Cain and Abel story written by Lord Byron and it's a book called Cain. And uh, he basically argues from the stance of the vegetarian standpoint, and says that basically Abel, because of the fact that Cain, his sacrifice had been refused, that Abel being the firstborn, being unblemished, you know, is Cain's sacrifice to the Lord when he spills his blood, being the reason that when Cain feels he has to leave, hide from the Lord's presence at this point, the Lord actually gives him protection by putting this mark upon him, very much like Harry Potter. And back to the Ship of Solomon story. If we remember this snow white tree that was planted from a remnant of the tree of life from the garden, it says that when God cursed Cain and the earth upon which Abel's blood was spilt, this caused the tree of life to undergo a change and becoming red in remembrance of the blood of Abel. The shoots of the tree were each red, white, and green because we remember we got the green coming into the tree when when Abel was conceived under the tree and now we have the red entering into the tree from the blood of Abel which Cain spilt upon the soil and I find it interesting to think that maybe this is analogous to in the fall being the autumn <laughs> not necessarily the fall into matter but the fall being autumn We have many of the trees here in New England, where I live, that do turn red as we enter into this time of sleep or this land of Nod, which is the wintertime. And this is when I really sink in and focus on creating. In the Hebrew, Alba Biblos, which is a apocryphal text from the 15th century, it also brings in the idea that Cain... Drinks Abel's blood During the sacrifice to gain his power And this this blood being Nefesh Which barely translates into life Or soul or breath As well as blood And uh, I don't know if you remember But in the early 80s There was a song called Al Nefesh which was, uh, if you were a DJ, this was, this was something that you sought after. Um, it was a highly treasured record. Now, that Nefesh is the same energy that God had breathed into the clay man he had formed, bringing forth Adam to life. And it was this same nefesh that went into the soil that cried out to the Lord. So we have to wonder if this was a blood sacrifice. The Ethiopian Kebra Nagast says that the daughters of Cain with whom the angels accompanied, conceived, but they were unable to bring forth their children and they died and of the children who were in their wombs, some died and some came forth having split open the bellies of their mother and they came forth by their navel now from the epic of kings we read no human being of this earth could give to such a monster birth he must be of a demon race. Though still human in form and in face, he still appears apartheid colored beast. Now this apartheid colored, if we look at dog breeding, um, this means that the skin was patchy and in different colors. Like when you see you know, a dog that has spots like a Dalmatian or like a Cocker Spaniel with multi colors. This is what would be called apartheid colored. Apuleius, a Latin prose writer and platonic philosopher, tells us in a little poem, on some high Crago king, set forth the maid, hope for no bridegroom bomb of mortal seed, but fierce and wild the dragon seed. And so separated out like the wheat from the chaff, Cain moved, traveling east of Eden and into this mysterious land of Nod. Now, Nod in Hebrew is the root of the verb to wander. Therefore, to dwell in the land of Nod can mean to live a wandering life. It can be defined as to move to agitate used of a reed shaken by the wind to wander to be a fugitive now the word nod is also closely related to the word nad which is usually translated to vagabond and the greek nod in the greek Septuagint is translated as Nave, N-A-I, with a little tilde, V, Nave. And this is related to going into a sleep, which is where we in the West get the term to nod off. In the Hindu culture, one of the 10 mind-born children of Brahma, the character of Pulasta, can be seen as the character of Cain. Now Pulasta's name translates to the rejected and Pulasta dwells in Kedara, which means a dug up place, being a mine or a cave. And just as in the Bible, Cain or pulasta is said to be the first worker in metals and in this dug up place he was a miner thereof and this in in ways kind of flashes me back to some of my early readings I remember a thing that was on some mines that were in Africa that had a Hewn hematite lid That was so large that even with modern technology today we don't have the uh, the ways or means to move this thing so this character Cain Pulasta dwelt in this dug-up place with the Rakshasas which could translate or be equated to the Canaanites. Now the Rakshasas is translated as to meaning the accursed. So here we have the rejected with the accursed in this dug up place. And it is said that the sigil or the mark that Cain used for his personal sigil was an X within a circle, which is extremely close to this circular swastika given to Cain by Lilith, if we think about it. And which is also interesting is that this X with the circle came to be the same symbol, which was the emblem for Atlantis. And later this cross in the circle would become the Hebrew and Phoenician symbol for Cain. And if we look around in the world today, where do we see this symbol? Um, I, I could give you a list, but I guarantee if you look around, it is literally everywhere. Now, Paul LeCour of the contested Priory of Sion tells us that the octopus or the orthopod was a solar symbol used in Atlantis and Socrates tells us that Atlantis had the very great advantage of being a fact and not a fiction. J.R.R. Tolkien he says on Atlantis that of all the mythical or archetypal images, this is the one most deeply seated in my imagination. And within the line of Cain, before the flood, it was Zilla who was the inventor of all musical instruments. And I would assume these were made out of metal. So there were maybe horns and drums or at least the drum you know casing. Also within the line of Cain before the flood, being the children of Adah and Lamech, were Jabel, whose father dwelt in tents and have cattle. and Jubal was the father of all such that handled the harp and the organ. And this was the generation after Zilla. So Jubal was picking up the inventions that Zilla had made. Now this was, uh, Zilla was um, Jubal's aunt. And Zilla, Zilla's children were Nama and Tubal Cain. This is a character that we will see in many places coming as we as we waltz through this story and it's quite interesting when we look at some of the places tubal cane pop up um if if anyone knows of the author ian fleming who was the mi6 spy referring to the two balls and a cane being the 007 of the movie fame that so many people know now. And these letters, this uh, this 007 was also used by the uh, spy and advisor to Queen Elizabeth the first. And when he would write letters to her, this John D made the two balls into eyes with a cane going over the top so here in history we see two double sevens or two ball canes now madame blavatsky tells us that until the spirit had fructified the blood preparing it for the soul that some of the early souls were lost coming into bodies not yet ready thought the Atlantean he goes on to tell us that there, time after time placed them in their first created bodies so that they might be filled with the spirit of life 100 years out of each thousand must the life-giving light flame forth on their bodies quickening awakening the spirit of life and at this point we can kind of begin to get a semblance of where we are in this story of the human being after uh, falling into matter and being before the great flood it is said that the sphinx was representative of the time when the soul of humans came into their bodies or the soul was enthroned into the blood of the species. And it was said in the mystic schools that this Sphinx was built just as the age of Leo was beginning, the roaring lion of Judah as it spins around on the cosmic wheel, which coincidentally, when this Sphinx was said to be built at the beginning of the age of Leo, was also the end of the last great ice age, which is about 10,750 BCE. Now, thought the Atlantean, he says that this great secret is hidden By being so simple for man's ego, man is in the process of changing to forms that are not of this world. And this reminds me in the 90s, right after the the MySpace days, coming into the Facebook days, someone claimed to have taken and mathematically extrapolated the geometric seed of life out to some hundred trillion factor. And uh, there was a picture that went along with this that was a humanoid that was being levitated in a fractaline world. And it had enlarged eyes like an alien. And as it floated in this fractaline realm, it was in the pose of Jesus on the cross. And it's just interesting to think this, this idea of Conscious evolution and how people portray it and you know, whether this is real or not it's definitely a great way to capture the imagination and uh, Direct it into certain thought memes Which we really have to be careful when we participate with many of these Magical memes that are going around now that were developed by intelligence services now this mythic Atlantis has been known by many names. Antilla, Amenti, Arali, Atala, Aslan, Azitlan, Atlantia, Asgard, Avalon, Arcadia, Argartha, Um, Tracy Twyman. She tells us that on the borderlands of Syria and Lebanon, And at the summit of what is called the Anti-Lebanon Mountain Range is currently a station, a UN base, called Hermon Hotel. And this is the place in which the first book of Enoch refers to as artists. And this is where the group of 200 Grigori, or the Watchers, the Nephilim descended for a meeting upon the top of this mountain that became the first secret society. And after the wars in the heavens, from the refusal to bow to this new creation of humans, it was said that one third of these angelic forces, these Nephilim, these Grigori, fell down into matter seeking sovereignty now what is sovereignty we all wish sovereignty at least for ourselves (laughs) Um, but essentially it's to be above kings it's to be a king yourself so they fell down into matter seeking to establish their own kingdom and it was there on top of this mountain that they made their pact together binding themselves with mutual implications with oaths and curses, swearing that they would take wives from the daughters of men and breed children with them. And the leader of the Gregory was said to be named Semayaza. And the first book of Enoch It tells us that it happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days, that daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. And when the angels, the sons of heaven, beheld them, they became enamored with them, saying to each other, let us select for ourselves wives from the progeny of men. Let us beget children. And their leader, Semayaza, said to them, I fear that you may perhaps be indisposed to the performance of this enterprise and that I alone shall suffer for such a grievous crime. But they answered him and said, we all swear and we bind ourselves by mutual implications that we will not change our intent but execute our projected undertaking and the book of enoch goes on to describe a few of these entities these nephilim these gregory the name of the first is yakun and he was who seduced all the sons of the holy angels and caused them to descend to earth and lead astray the offspring of men. And the second is Kesabal, who pointed out evil counsel to the sons of the holy angels and induced them to corrupt their bodies by generating with mankind. And the third is Gadriel. He discovered every stroke of death to the children of men. He seduced Eve and discovered to the children of men instruments of death, the coat mail, the shield, and the sword for slaughter. And the fourth is Penemu. He discovered to the children of men hotness and sweetness and pointed out to them every secret of wisdom. He taught man to understand writing and the use Of pen and ink and from another source I found that it was Michael Gabriel Sergal and Uriel who then denounced their brothers to God of who were said to have peered into the divine mysteries and taught them to men in this way escaping the punishment of the Lord Now, this Atlantis becoming the birthplace of agriculture, astronomy, mathematics, metallurgy, navigation, architecture, language, writing, and religion was also the source of the first government on earth, which was a monarchy. And the first kings on earth set themselves up to be gods, to be sovereign gods. Now, this fallen race, this uh, line of beings, have been known in various cultures, and we will explore many of these as we move. In the Semitic scriptures, such as the Torah, In the Talmud and many of the apocryphal texts that were written, they were called the Nephilim or the Watchers. And in Samaria, they were called the Anunnaki. In Greece, they were known as the Anodati. And in the Celtic lore, they were the Tatatidanaan. Now, there's a book that was translated from Sumerian. It, now, this is a Zechariah section book. It's a little later, and many people question the validity of his reference in terms. But nonetheless, it goes on to talk about the fact that upon landing and meeting a serpent in this uh, area with a lake and many reeds, as he is swimming. Inky, basically using a sort of a light box, almost like a tester. It was a box that had various lights that lit up on it. He is overjoyed with how much gold was available and easily detectable on this planet. And if we look at the idea of the Atlanteans, they used gold for everything. Everything was either made of gold or coated in gold. Even the incense altars and the horns. Everything that might come into contact with humans as this, this use of gold protected them against the human, quote unquote, radiations. Now they were eating off gold plates with gold silverware and it was said that this was to enhance their body's electrical conduction very interesting and plato tells us that this land was larger than asia and libya together in size and plato also tells us that the first king of atlantis was atlas who was the son of Poseidon and Cleto a mortal woman but if we examine the works of Eusebius and Diodorus they also agree that Atlantis's first king was Atlas but that instead his parents were Uranus and mother Gaia. In Ireland, it was said that there were 10 door kings, or Molochs, known as the kings of the fallen, which were most likely the 10 kings of Atlantis, one and the same. And according to Genesis 6 in the Bible, we learn that these Nephilim arrived on the earth in the days of Jared, which is the fourth generation after Adam and Eve. And many people try to say that these Anunnaki or these Nephilim, these fallen ones, may have come from outer space. And if we examine the word Anunnaki from the Sumerian, it is said to mean heaven meets earth suggesting more of a higher dimension the monad as we discussed before drawing that line into creation creating that division or that duality into which it is moving into the night from the light where the heaven meets the earth now thought the atlantean He reveals that time after time, while their bodies lie sleeping, incarnate them in the bodies of men, teaching and guiding onward and upward, out of the darkness and into the light. There in the hall of life, filled with their wisdom, known not to the races of men, living forever, Neath the cold fire of life, sit the children of the light. Times there are when they awaken, come from the depths to be the lights among men. Infinite they are among the finite. And it's interesting there that it says they come from the depths, meaning they come from below. Now, if we go back to the Sumerian texts, they tell us that upon arrival to the earth, the visitors hid themselves away for a time in underground caves to eventually emerge and conquer the now lost continent of Appalachia, where they founded their great state of Atlantis. And it was from there they set about making contact with the earth's original inhabitants. And uh, looking at Genesis 6, 8 in the Bible, it tells us that there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the mighty men, which were of old, men of renown." So in a sense, it is almost as though this uh, alien culture, these fallen Nephilim, the, the angels, came to pervert the race that the other part of their ilk in the heavens had created. And it has been estimated that through what remains of the ancient texts in history, that there are some 30,000 texts that speak of this intercession of these beings coming in and uh, interceding with the genetics of humankind. And a little quote to go in here with all this, William Shakespeare in Hamlet, he tells us that There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamed of in thy philosophy. Now, in the book of Enoch, it says that Shemaiez, the leader of the Watchers, with his 19 other angels in his band, each of them called the chief of 10, began their plan to defile the line of men. And they, the mortal women, became pregnant and they bare great giants whose height was 3000 L's who consumed all the acquisitions of men. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. And they began to sin against the birds, the beasts, the reptiles, and the fish, and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. And the earth laid accusations against the lawless ones. Now, it is said that the oldest known structures still standing on the earth could be a site in South Africa known as Adam's calendar, which has a stone circle that aligns to the stars some 750,000 years ago. And it also has a number of uh, cells set up almost like a beehive structure that have been proposed that these may have been the nursing ward for these mothers breeding to produce these vessels of giants, of these spirits of the ancestors to occupy. And in total in this area, so far at this point, early on they found like 4,000 ruins, but at this point they've found somewhere closer to 20,000 of these ruins. And this Adam's calendar is also sometimes called Inky's calendar and most interestingly one of the standing stones that is there in uh, this field of ruins has a pyramid that has been chiseled into it and it has a noticeable capstone on it and Hesiod In his works and days, tells us that Poseidon enclosed the hill on which his mortal wife Cleto lived, making around her alternative zones of sea and land, dividing this island amongst his sons. And Plato tells us that after his eldest son, Atlant, or Atlas, He called these ringed islands Atlantis, making Atlant the chief king and also giving him rule over the island with Cleto, his mother, on it as well. The other sons receiving portions of the land from the other rings of the labyrinth in descending order from their births. Now also during this time in occulted tradition, we are told that there were winged serpents on the earth, known as the serpent kings that were sometimes spoken of in sacred oriental occulted lore. While in the Arab culture, they always called Antilla or Atlantis as the dragon's isle. And the seven islands of Atlantis were said to be raised on high by King Atlas. And this was during the upcoming flood that we're going to talk about. And this gave us the Pleiades, or the Seven Sisters Star Cluster. And this seven, as we talked about earlier, this seven was the Seven Sisters which became the key to the mysteries. And of these seven islands, the Greek Markeu tells us that there were three larger islands and four smaller islands. And one of these larger islands was dedicated to Poseidon. Now, if we begin to look, we will notice that there were pyramids built on every continent of the globe. And uh, I believe at one time there was a global international you know culture that was very much like what we have today. You know, trading and information, and maybe a little bit more um, initiation and you know magical type thinking but very much close to what we have today. Now, a couple of interesting archeological sites that I've come across through my digging that I think equate with this uh, pre-deluge serpent worship in the Kalahari Desert of Botswana there was found a 20 foot long carving of a python as tall as a man, and it was found in a cave which led archeologists to believe that there were rituals that were going on some 70,000 years ago. And this cave, this python was carved into the wall with like chiseled chip marks. And uh, Sheila Colson of the University of Oslo said, you could see the mouth and the eyes of the snake. It looked like a real Python. And they also discussed how the sunlight would glint off of these chiseled marks and make it look as though the snake were moving especially in the nighttime with the fire roaring it would play off these uh, chisel marks and give the appearance of movement to the snake now another place that i found that's extremely interesting was in ancient caldonia or ancient albany which is now called scotland and in this place called Argol, meaning Lake of the Swans, there is a 300 foot long serpent mound that is also from right around 68,000 years ago. Now, Mata Blavatsky in The Secret Doctrine tells us that this nation state of Atlantis, as it grew over the course of eight generations in the line of Cain, who we can see are living longer compared to the line of seth wherein they have 11 generations the so-called atlanteans became a nation of evil magicians now Solon tells us that egypt existed long before the flood and that poseidon ruled atlantis which also matches the sumerian texts with a living mortal woman. The Sumerian texts speak of Atlantis as the land of Uttu, meaning west of Sumar. So if Cain moved east of Eden and Atlantis was west of Sumar, where might that possibly land us? In Sumar, they also called Atlantis Apsu, Meaning, source of great waters. And Salon goes on to tell us that Atlantis had hot and cold springs, irrigation, aqueducts, harbors, canals. He says that war was quite known to them, for they had 10,000 charioteers, along with fleets of archers sling shooters and stone shooters javelin throwers and 1200 ships in a navy these mighty ones performed their great works leaving behind their everlasting monuments these great pyramids were built under their direct supervision when daruva the pole star meaning constant immovable or fixed being at its lowest culmination while the pleiades looked over its head. So if we take that description of the pole star being at its lowest culmination with the pleiades over its head and we do some star mapping, the pyramids of Egypt were built some 31,105 years ago. And in arabic we are told by ibn abd al Hakam that he who built them was sarid ibn salhuk king of egypt who lived 300 years before the flood and this king in his dream recorded that the whole earth was turned over with the inhabitants of it the men laying on their faces and the stars falling down and striking one another with the stars falling to the earth similitude of white fowl being birds I guess and they snatched up men and carried them between two great mountains and these mountains closed up and the shining stars were made dark. And he awoke with great fear and assembled the high priests. The chief of them, Akilemun, took the attitude of the stars and foretold of a coming deluge. The king asked, Will it come to our country? And they answered, Yes, and it will destroy it. And they remained certain now herodotus he tells us that of egyptian history that the sun had twice risen where it now set and twice set where it now rises and from this remark swaller de lubovitch took this description as evidence of the processional cycle and would put the building of the pyramids, construction, around the year 36,000 years ago, which is contrary to all modern archaeology, but it is in broad agreement with many other symbolic and occulted sources. And looking around the world, the most massive pyramid discovered to this date is in Bosnia, at Viso Kika Hill, near the town of Visoko Northwest of Sarajevo And it is one of the five large structures in this area and it is called the Pyramid of the Sun and it is honeycombed with underground tunnels that they have said stretch for miles with one of the passages under this pyramid having what appear to be Nordic runes, interestingly enough. And this pyramid in uh, Bosnia is estimated to be some 34,000 years old. And this closely matches the 36,000 year date. And back to the, uh, Occupants of Atlantis. It was said that this continuing line of these sons of the serpent Who were the workers who built these structures? Besides building they were also in charge of mining and tending to the garden and taking care of the animal husbandry in what appears to be a global society now this symbol of the serpent, right? If we go back to remembering the idea of these two leviathans, the intertwining serpents that Hermes holds on his caduceus. Now, this is very close to what we now know as the DNA helix. And this neshesh in SHS Or serpent also means to discover or to find out, denoting the possibility of the pursuit of science. But these Atlanteans could not harness the imagination. The Atlanteans, it was said, never produced a philosopher. Now it was said, that these Atlanteans were natural psychics. They could see into the invisible worlds and possessed, in part, the secret of the functioning of them, but they did not understand completely the mystery of the astral light, this cosmic faux hat or this piranha that is the generating factor of reality and having no imagination to envision a future, only performing a sort of a subverted form of creation instead of understanding the use of creative imagination to be able to truly manifest like this new race of humankind. One source I found stated that these angelic forces fell into matter at the beginning of the cycle of the ages was intended to reverse the process of involution and to stop this decay that had begun and that one of the fallen angels named Casteja was said to teach the children of men abortion smiting the embryo in the womb that it may pass away. And it was about this time that Noah's great, great grandfather, Enoch, in the line of Seth, not in the line of Cain, was told of this impending destruction of the world for the corruption of the human line by the Nephilim. Now, geologically on the planet, at this point, we're looking at uh, 15,000 to 11,000 BCE. Um, We know that North America had an ice sheet upward of two miles thick, which is pretty incredible to contemplate, two miles into the air. That always just leaves me aghast even thinking about the mass of this this giant sheet of ice that was hauling, you know, all these erratics up and depositing them as it moved and grinding everything into sand and all the, uh, the things that may have been there, you know, under this ice, I mean, you gotta figure, they just, for the most part, got grinded to dust. And it was said, a shift in this time of the Earth's crust, possibly from the polar shift occurred. And there may have been a number of breakaway societies that saw this coming. One has been speculated that uh, somewhere beyond Tibet, secluded in the valleys of Central Asia, became the hidden city of Shambhala, an inaccessible paradise settled by these Nashesh, as a place of universal wisdom for peace escaping the chaos. It is said to be an inner circle of beings guiding humanity and secretly guiding Earth's evolution and that its inhabitants possessed both supernatural powers and highly advanced technologies. And it is said that their bodies are perfect and they devote their time to the studies of arts and science. Now, in Masonic legend, it is told with the foreknowledge of this coming deluge that Enoch, with the help of his son, Methuselah, constructed nine hidden vaults, each stacked one on top of the other And in the lowest of these, depositing a golden triangular tablet that was said to measure a cubit on each side. Now, in another version of the story, it was said to be a white oriental popery stone. And this golden tablet was said to contain the infallible name the unspoken name of the Semitic God. And a second tablet was inscribed with strange words that Enoch had gained from the angels themselves, which he also gave to his son for safekeeping. And then these vaults were sealed, and upon the spot Enoch constructed two pillars one of marble, so that it might not ever burn, and the other of laterus or bricks, so that it might not sink in the water. Upon the brick column were inscribed the seven sciences of humankind, which I believe are the trivium and the quadrivium, being the archives of masonry while on the marble pillar, placing an inscription stating that a short distance away, a priceless treasure would be found in a subterranean vault. And it was at this point, after hiding this ancient wisdom in this nine tiered vault, which kind of reminds me of Oak Island, that Enoch, retired to Mount Moriah. And this Mount Moriah has traditionally been equated with the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where he for the second time walked with God, which many people find to be an interesting statement. Um, But if you go back and read the book of Enoch, there's a point in the book where the Lord comes down and basically Enoch has this night journey where he is taken into the heavens to show how the wheels of the universe work and and to try to understand the turnings of eternity. And if if we look at the texts, it says, and he was not for God took him and he was translated into the heavens and not knowing of death and another character elijah in the bible was taken in a very similar manner where he never had to die now after this translation into the heavens enoch became the angel in the whirlwind and became metatron being the first mortal to enter back into the majestic supernal garden, Eden, since the fall into matter. And it seems as soon as he entered into this timeless white cube of Eden, an angel named Azza was expelled from paradise for objecting to the high rank Enoch was given when he was transformed into Metatron. and. It was said that Enoch called out all these fallen ones. 21 in total. Um, and I guess the t- before we had 20 and now we have 21. And I guess the 21st being this Azza or Azazel. And Enoch or Metatron called them out as blasphemers. Now, thought the Atlantean, he tells us that fire... The inner fire is the most potent of all force, for it overcometh all things and penetrates to all things on earth. Man supports himself only on that which resists. And he also says, Hearken ye now, man, this word I leave with thee. Use it, and ye shall find power in its sound. Say ye, Zin Uru and the power ye shall find. Now this Zin Uru Z-I-N-U-R-U. It is said was the only word that these serpents could not say. I would like to thank Christian Essex over at Big Barn Studios for all the production work as well as the background sounds you are hearing. And I am R. Marks, the researcher and recorder of said information, delving in and looking for ideas and how culture moves and why we think the way we think. I appreciate you listening and I hope everyone out there has a beautiful day. Thank you.